Amen. Thank you, choir. Thank you, Murray. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Philippians? Philippians is a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. Philippi was uh, a town in a place called Macedonia. Macedonia is in northern Greece. It's a province. Uh, two largest cities was, were Philippi and Thessalonica. And uh, Macedonia is in northern Greece. Philip of Macedon was there, and also he is the father of Alexander the Great. So there's a lot of connections between the Greek world there and when Paul came there to share the gospel. And so it's been 10 years since he has shared, uh, seen them, but they have remained, their feelings for each other have made have been real strong. And it's important we have feelings for each other as Christians and also feelings for our faith. And if you love the Lord with all your heart, then you will have feelings for those. Feelings get involved in a lot of what we do and mean a lot. It's not uh, Taylor Swift feelings, amen. She has some kind of feelings for a, a tight end in Kansas City, and uh, she's really after him. So maybe that'll happen, but I'm, my um, chances of that relationship lasting is kind of no. She's high maintenance, and he's a cheater. And uh, so she's had six or seven boyfriends, and evidently she loses a boyfriend, writes a song. So that, that works out well for her. But feelings are very much a part of our lives. We're physical, and that's a part of us in that physical part. We're also emotional. But as Christians, we go deeper than that, and we have that spiritual part of our life. And all three of those parts of our lives are connected. Uh, women seem to be more um, um, easier with their feelings and men try to keep their feelings in reserve because that's an awkward place for men. But women have a free expression. I was in a funeral yesterday and, and there were just women who really express their feelings and that's okay, that's a good thing. But the men just kind of held back because sometimes that is an awkward place for us. But yet that's a real place and a real part of our lives and our feelings. And so in this letter, Paul expresses his feelings probably greater than any other letter that he has written because they're on his heart. And when it's on your heart, it matters. I mean, it's good to be in your head, but more than that, we need to have our faith as a part of our heart experience. And Paul is sharing that here in Instead of being a letter when he was in prison of sob, 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 his letter was one of joy, joy, joy. And the word joy is mentioned about 18 times. Even in spite of adverse situations, uh, you and I can have joy. Because of gift of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit, then plants with us, not based on our circumstances, happiness is based on circumstances, but joy is a gift of the Holy Spirit and a fruit of the Spirit that God can put in our lives. And I, I pray that you will today kind of feel your feelings. We get back in touch with those feelings. Sometimes we lose those feelings and get back in touch with them. Today we will have the Lord's Supper. And uh, so we have the Lord's Supper to get back and remember the Lord and keep remembering those kind of feelings that remember what he did for us and how he sacrificed for us. And sometimes we can hear it so much that it becomes just a kind of old hat and just kind of gets over our head. We've heard it before and before. And there's a kind of hardness it kind of sets in. But there are feelings that are there. 
And those feelings can just, and you cannot worship without feeling. So today as we look at our feelings in Philippians chapter 1, but let me just, uh, before we get that, let me give you some announcements. There's the graveside for Alex Easter's tomorrow, uh, excuse me, Tuesday at 10 o'clock, and we want to remember Elizabeth. Also, there's a WMU meeting tomorrow as Jay Wolf comes to speak to the WMU in the sanctuary. We also remember Paul Paul and Gloria uh, as Paul's going through a rough time. And also, we, uh, Stacy and, and Ty and remember Will and all that. And I want to thank, uh, take this moment to thank um, Kitty and Elaine and working in the staff down here, uh, keeping kind of keeping things together. Um, so sometimes you just need to appreciate people. And so if you would, let's give uh, uh, Kitty and Elaine a hand. Would you do that and let them know how much we appreciate it? I just appreciate them writing my sermons for me, so if you, don't, if you don't like my sermons, just go to them and tell them they need to write better sermons for me. So, um, but our feelings are very much a part of our lives. We already uh, talked about last week the beginning of uh, Philippians. Uh, Philippians, Paul was headed towards Asia, and he wanted to go, which is the same thing for Ephesus. Ephesus was kind of the third largest city in the Roman Empire, and Paul just knew he was going to Ephesus. But God said no. And then he turned to a place called Bithynia, and God said no. And then he turned to um, Troas, and when he got to Troas, he had no idea where to go. God sometimes gives us a, a, a closed door and a closed door here in order to open the door where he wants us to be. And so in a place called Troas, he saw a night vision. And the vision was this, come over to Macedonia and help us. And that was the direction that God had. Sometimes God gives us those kind of directions and, and he gives us a place to go, like going to our neighbor or writing a card to our neighbor or seeing somebody that we need to see. And, and we don't feel like going, we don't think it's knowing, we kind of say, no, I just don't have time now. Whenever I get around to it, I get around to it. But sometimes he pushes past that no and says go. And whenever God gives you a go, it's going to be one of the greatest experiences of your life. And you need to go. Now, in honor of God's word, would you stand as I read for us just a few verses and we'll start with verse 6, and we started last week with verse 1, so let's look, read verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, and what are some things that you are sure, sure of? You sure of the government? Are you sure of our president? Are you sure of our legislature? Are you sure in the world in which we live in? But there's a confidence here. Being confident of this very thing. That he who began a good work in you will continue until he completes it in Christ Jesus. That is, whenever Christ Jesus comes or when he comes for me and for you. Verse 7, and these are very deeply feeling kind of words for him. 
even as it is right for me to think this of you, and the word can also mean trans, new, new International Translation, even though it is right for me to feel this way about you all. So that's obviously a southern word, right? So he had this southern in him. Because I have you in my heart in as much as both in my bonds and in the defense of the confirmation of gospel, you all are there with me. You're partakers of my grace. The grace that saved me is also the grace that you're experiencing as you give grace, find, help others find grace. May God bless the reading of his word and you may be seated. I had a wedding one time when um, this couple, I pronounced them uh, husband and wife and I told him, I said, you may kiss the bride. And so he kind of bent her over backwards and planted one on her in the middle of that. And, and they were going on and on and on and I was thinking it's time to go eat chicken. And so, uh, as he's finishing up <laughs> with his kiss, I said, I now present to you the couple, and I presented to him the couple. And when they started down the aisle, instead of the usual song that you hear for a wedding, uh, the guy that was in charge of the music uh, flipped on a switch, and all of a sudden, James Brown came on, and he said, I feel good down the land, land, land. And they just boogied up the aisle as they left the church. And I talk about it, I feel good. And feelings are a part of our lives. And that was a feel-good moment. I remember sitting with a couple, Susan and I was sitting with a couple, and he looked at her, and he said, I just don't love her anymore. I don't have any feelings for her. And if you followed the the marriage gurus, you can say it begins with criticism and criticism finds its way like a worm inside of a, an apple. It finds its way eaten away. From criticism, it goes to contempt and contempt kind of looks at the other person with that kind of contempt and that moral superiority. Uh, then it goes to defensiveness. I'm not the problem, you're the problem. And then it goes from defenses to what's called by the man stonewalling, where you just don't have any feelings. You keep that person at arm's distance. And the feelings have gone. And most marriages kind of end in a kind of silence. They're not screaming at each other anymore. <clears throat> they just end in silence. And they've lost that loving feeling. And sometimes we can get to that place in our spiritual lives where we've kind of lost that kind of feeling. But feelings are very part of our lives and they're important to help us know when this is wrong and we need to have them there. I read about Melissa Drexler. Melissa uh, was at her senior prom, 18-year-old at a senior prom. And in the middle of a dance, she excused herself. Nobody knew where she was going. She went in the girl's bathroom, delivered her baby, put it in a bag, but smothered it, put it in the trash can, 
went back on the dance floor and requested a love song. Psychologists say she amputated her feelings. Because sometimes when we do things that we know we shouldn't do, we kind of amputate those kind of feelings. So feelings sometimes are a warning system. If you've ever flown, pilots know what it's like to hear that stall warning as it's in a plane and it tells you, you're about to stall, you're about to stall, you're about to fall out of the air, so you need to do something to um, be on the other side of that. And sometimes our feelings are a good part of our, our lives and God has given us the feelings not only to rejoice but also tell us when things were kind of headed in the wrong direction but feelings sometimes can override our impulses to do to do right and feelings can make a difference in our lives and they show up in some time Susan gave me a list to go to the grocery store the other day and, and there were things on our list and I passed by these cookies and um, I kept going they wasn't on the list um, Publix make good key lime cookies I mean they're good key lime cookies and whenever you're watching Auburn lose the ball game it's good to eat a key lime cookie it kind of helps you uh, keep going at that and so I passed those key lime cookies but then something kind of pulled me back to those key lime cookies and even though it wasn't on my list, I ended up paying and getting those key lime cookies. I had three of them eaten before I'd gotten home. Uh, those kind of feelings and sometimes can lead us. The biggest regrets in our lives is when we looked into our feelings in places that we wished we had listened to the truth instead of those feelings. And we let our feelings guide us in the wrong places that we never should have been and actions we never should have done. So feelings sometimes let us know where the right things, but feelings can let us know when they are the wrong kind of thing. We just, the choir just sang, as a deer pants after the brook, so did I pant after you. Is David. David, uh, more is written in the Old Testament by David. He's writing, written some 50-some-odd of the Psalms or 70-some-odd of the Psalms. But we read more about his feelings as he, as he listens to the Lord and he learns about the Lord. But when he had his affair with Bathsheba, he quit listening to his feelings. He listened to the wrong feelings. He kind of just like Melissa Drexler, he kind of amputated his feelings and he looked at Bathsheba and maybe he's in a midlife crisis. Maybe because of his uh, wife, first wife, Michael, had shut the door to him. Maybe it was a lot of things. Maybe he's just tired of fighting. But he had the affair and then not only did he have the affair but he had one of his best soldiers killed. And Joab brought him the word that his best shoulder, uh, Uriah, had been killed. And this is what David said. Well, things happen like that. And he had amputated his feelings. Because you and I can get to the point where life brings us to the point where we kind of amputate our feelings. 
Now look back at the Philippians and let's listen to Paul as he works with his feelings. He feeds those feelings of joy. Joy is the majestic monosyllable. And it is a beautiful gift of God that comes when we walk close to the Lord and the Holy Spirit puts that gift in our life and we can have those kind of joyful feelings even in the midst of adversity. So look at verse 1. That's a good place to start. It's been 10 years since he's seen this church at Philippi, but they had sent him some money. Not only had they sent him some money, but they had sent him somebody to help him out when he was in prison. Now, when you put think about a Roman prison, you don't think about a pleasant place like all the prisons around here. Right? That's a big issue with our legislature now to build because it's overcrowded. They're, they've kicked this down from governor to governor, and our recent governor is struggling with it. But prisons in Rome were just there. Nobody fed you. There was no TV. <laughs> no, uh, let's have good feelings about this situation. You were there, and if you died, then okay, they'd pull you out and throw you on the pile. So Paul is in one of those adverse situations. And yet, even in adverse situations, he has joy. If you look at verse 1, he writes to that church and thanking them for the money that they had sent him. And he says, Paul and Timothy, the servants. The word servants is a bond servant. That is a sir, doulos. It's a servant that after seven years, they was kind of a slave. But after seven years, they could choose to work for their master for the rest of their life. So here he says, um, we're bond servants. We're bond servants and that we had given ourselves to worship our master for the rest of our lives. And all of us worship something. We're a slave to something. And uh, I can see, <laughs> I've been to houses where there were deer heads all over the wall. They were a slave to deer heads. And I know come in November, the attendance goes down and people find a way to find their way out in the woods out there. Now I'm not against deer hunting, but if deer hunting replaces your place where the Lord ought to be, then somehow that becomes a slave to whatever you're driven for. Amen. I didn't see here a single amen to that one. Okay. Did you get the message to that? Okay. Not if you got the message to that. Okay. All right. So they're slaves. And he says, grace to you and peace from our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, grace is a, it's a typical greeting, but without God's grace, you can have no peace. But then he said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Now, one of the things that feeds our joy is the joy of remembering. I mean, whenever you get down, uh, go to a place that you can remember and let that kind of moment help you to remember. Uh, Susan and I were told that we couldn't have any children. And so I was stationed at a place called Camp Pickett in Virginia, and there was this Army doctor there that says, I know somebody in a medical college who is a specialist in fertility. And he said, I'll get you a time with them. And so we would go to Medical College of Virginia. And there came a day when he announced to us in his office, he looked at us and said, uh, you guys are going to have a baby. And he cried, and Susan cried, 
and I cried. It all looked impossible, and God threw in two more, by the way, besides the one. It looked impossible. But God gave us that blessing. And to go back and remember that helps us in down times to remember those things. And remember that time when there was no way out and seemingly impossible situation and God kind of came through. That's a power of remembrance. When Paul was in that jail cell, he remembered when he didn't want to go to Philippi and the odds were against him kind of doing well at Philippi. It was a different, no synagogue there. Uh, he went there and there was this woman's meeting by the side of the side of the river and the, he was thrown into prison and beaten unjustly and he stayed the course and after he stayed the course he thanked God that he stayed the course and he remembers back when he did that which God had put on his heart to do and even though he was reluctant to do it so it has remembrance that helps him to remember also, he remembers their participation. Always, if you look in verse 4, always in every prayer of mine for you, I'll make and request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel. Now, when we think of fellowship, we think of covered dish, and I've been to some, I don't know how many covered dishes. I've eaten so much chicken. I've eaten a lot of things that Baptists have. And you, if you ever want to get Baptists to somewhere, you've got to feed them. So you feed them chicken, amen. I knew I was going into ministry when I started having a desire for chicken, fried chicken, especially fried chicken. <laughs> but Baptists love to eat, and they call that a kind of fellowship. And I know the first uh, Baptist church in uh, Uniontown, whenever they have a business meeting, they uh, the church is up here and downstairs is a fellowship hall, and they put out, uh, they have the business meeting and then they go and eat, which is a good deal because they usually have short business meetings, amen? Let's get to the food, we can get along with this, somebody can handle this, let's go down and we'll have, but and so often, but when Paul talks about fellowship, he talks about koinonia, that's the Greek word. Koinonia is kind of the word that means participation together when we did this together in the Lord. And I thank God for when uh, Lydia accepted Christ as her Savior. And it was a day at the, at the prayer meeting that they had. And, and if you go to Philippi today, which Susan and I did, there's this statue to where Lydia uh, accepted Christ as a Savior. And she was the first convert in Europe. And since then, she asked... Paul to come to a house and the church was started at her house. And so he thanks God for a church that not only started well, but they continued to be a part of the ministry, continued to be a part of the grace that put people out. And so a second thing that kind of helps Paul's joy is the fact that they're involved in the ministry. Um, this... Uh, Thursday night, we went to see our granddaughter in a play. We, we drove four hours uh, there in Madison, Mississippi, and four hours back to see her do an hour and a half in a play. You do that, amen, for your grandchildren? 
And she was the best one in the play. She was a backup group, but man, did she just do it well, because that's what you do for your grandchildren. And that was the only one I watched during the whole time, is that. But that night, uh, when we got back to my son's house, we sat around and before we put the girls to bed, we had my son led us in prayer and in a devotional. And it kind of warmed our hearts because that's what we used to do when he was a kid and he was that age. And now he's carrying on what we had kind of started and he's doing the same thing with his family. And you know, that has a joy in it that just brings joy to your heart. So I thank God for the for the remembrance. He thanks God for the remembrance, but he also thanks God for the fellowship of that church that he started, and the church is still going, and it's doing great things for the Lord. So verse 6 gives us another reason why he develops his joy, being confident of this very thing, that the Lord who started with you is not going to quit on you. Amen? Now, as Baptists, we believe in once saved, always saved. But we believe also that were you saved in the first place. And if you're saved in the first place, then it will last and last and last and last. So with God who started with you is not going to give it. In fact, there Paul talks about that. It says, nothing can separate us from God's love. And there's this kind of assurance that we have that when we take this last breath in this life, there's a place that God has for us in the next life. And the end of this world, which wonder what's out there, and all of us will come to that place either before Christ comes or after Christ comes. Are you sure of that assurance? And there's this kind of joy of assurance that I'm in God's hands regardless of what he is. And Paul had this kind of death threat over his life. He was in prison. Nero was was considered a political prisoner. And Nero was there, and, and Nero could hold everything. And so Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I go on to be with the die, I'll go on to be with the Lord. If I live here, then Christ will come to me. So there's a certain joy of assurance that we have, but also there's this joy of anticipation because he will keep us until the day of Jesus Christ. And he mentions that over and over again, the day of Jesus Christ. And there's the day of Jesus Christ when he comes back and Thessalonians talks about that the dead Christ will rise first and we who are there and still alive, we will also be with him. But there's a day when he comes when we take this last breath on this life. That's also a day of Christ. And is there anything you can hold on to, anything that will get you through that moment it was David who said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. There's a presence there 
that cannot be explained. And when we get to that place, if we know Christ is our Savior, there's a sense of his presence that will be there and we can hold on to that with confidence that we will be with him and he has a place prepared for us forever and ever and ever. And so shall we be with the Lord. But do you have that insurance? And Paul says, when you have that assurance, it is one of the greatest things you can have and one of the greatest joys that you can have. In verse 7, I have you in my heart. You're in my heart. I'm not letting you go. I got these feelings for you that are Christian feelings that are so special. And, I, and you have those in your heart. And this is kind of Christians coming together. There's a heartfelt thing that Christians have for you can't find anywhere else. Now, if you were to go in uh, Marion, Alabama, and Marion, Alabama is uh, one of my favorite places. I, I taught at Judson there, Dr. McCrumman, worked for Dr. McCrumman for, for five, almost six years I worked for him. He was a great boss. Uh, but and he, when he asked me to come and teach at Judson, he and I knelt in his office and we prayed for God to use me to touch these girls' lives because he knew that when you bring a girl to the Lord, you also work with a family. And, but one of my favorite places to go was a depot in Marion. If you've ever been to Marion, you know they moved the depot from one side of the street to the other side of the street. And in that depot, when it was over on this side of the street, was where my grandmother and granddaddy met. And my granddaddy was learning how to be a railroad engineer. And he was a fireman. That's when they stoked the coals in the engine. And he was stoking that coal. But also, my grandmother lived up on the hill where that, and she would walk to Judson uh, every day. So he not only stoked that coal, but he was looking out the window at my grandmother who was walking to Judson every day. And one day he got off that train and he walked up to my grandmother and he said this, can I buy your Coke? Now that's not the best line in the world, but I reckon that'll do. I mean, a railroad engineer isn't, isn't that much on lines. But uh, so all my brothers and my mother and my aunts, all that generation hung in balance over what she would say. And she could have said, get out of here, dude. I got other, you're third on my list. <laughs> but this is what she said, yes. And her yes gave generations down the line. You never know where a yes will take you, especially when it's in the Lord. When my grandmother was in the nursing home there at Marion, Susan would come and pick her up and she'd go to Hardy's because Hardy's was there. Then you, won't, you can't start your day without a, a sausage biscuit from Hardy's. And so she'd go to Hardy's and she'd get her a biscuit. And then she would <laughs> um, go to Judson because she remembers those days that she was at Judson and she's very proud of her degree. Her degree was in chemistry and physics. I think there were about three girls that were in, that made chem, uh, physics and chemistry 
majors. And so she remembered her days at Judson. And then before she would go back to the nursing home, she would say, let's go by that old depot. And Susan would take this 90-year-old lady by that old depot, and she would remember, she would remember the day she said yes to my grand granddad. See, remembrance is a very powerful thing. Some of our best sources of joy is when we remember. Now, I want you to look in your hymnal if you have your uh, have the hymnal there. And by the way, we're one of the few churches that uses a hymnal, by the way. What's up? 148. 148. So turn 148. If you look at the bottom of that hymnal, you see the words were written by Luther Bridges. Luther Bridges was an evangelist. And he was in a meeting one night. And after that meeting, he went to the home that he was staying in. And when he went to that home, um, later about midnight that night, there was a knock on the door and there was a policeman there. And the policeman said, uh, Mr. Bridges, I hate to tell you this, but there was a fire. And in the fire, your wife was killed and also all of your children were killed. How can you handle something like that? It just kind of takes your breath away. And it hit his feelings hard. And he kind of left the ministry for a few years. And his feelings were hurt and he was angry towards God and angry towards the world and angry toward people around him because he had been hurt deeply. But then he began to read his Bible, and as he began to read his Bible, some feelings came back to him that had been taken away by the tragedy of that event. And then it became stronger, then it became stronger. It was a process that gradually began, but it became stronger. As those feelings came back to him, Look at the words of this hymn. He wrote this hymn. There's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. Fear not, I am with thee. Peace be still. Now, this is a man that learned about the, his wife being killed and his children. In all of life's ebb and flow. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my heart with longing. Those were the words that Paul used. Keeps me singing as I go. Only God can do that, and the power of the Holy Spirit 
can restore those hurt feelings. But he has the power to do that. Maybe gradually. Maybe all of a sudden. Maybe just be in increments. But if you and I remain open to him, he will restore those places that have been hurt by life tragedies. Now, would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? Maybe there's some hurt places in your life. Maybe you're going through some adverse circumstances. Can you have joy? Doesn't mean that you're joyful about what has happened. It just means that you remain confident in a God who is with us and the power of the Holy Spirit to bring back feelings that have been suffocated by life's tragedies. All of us have them, but it's available to you and I as we let Christ come back into our life and heal those hurt places. Father, I thank you for that hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Sometimes we get so we don't feel our feelings and it becomes the old part of us and we become hardened in our heart. Open our hearts with your power and replace the joy of our salvation. In Jesus' name I pray.